Yo, yo, this is Peter J. Kim on the Food 52 Podcast Network, and this is Counter Jam, the show that celebrates culture through food and music. We're closing out season three strong with an episode featuring two musical superstars from the island of Jamaica, dancehall legend Shaggy and reggae legend Ziggy Marley. They have, oh, 10 Grammy Awards between the two of them. No big luck. What you might not know is that they both also know their way around Jamaican food. Ziggy even has a cookbook under his belt. We'll hear about how Shaggy celebrates Christmas in Jamaica, what makes for a great beef patty, and why Ziggy Marley loves Sunday dinner, and I mean really loves Sunday dinner. This track you're hearing is from Ziggy's 2011 album, Wild and Free. It's one of those songs that continually evolves from one bar to the next, perhaps emulating the kind of change that the lyrics call for. I especially dig when the reggae groove kicks in, Here's Personal Revolution by Ziggy Marley. Ziggy Marley. As you probably know, Ziggy and his father Bob and much of the Marley family is known for songs that call for change. Personal Revolution is no exception, though it calls for a bit of a different kind of change. That's one of my favorite songs. Just because of that idea, Personal Revolution. Just that, just that alone is like, yeah, that sounds like something. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I came to this theory after thinking about things over over years, over you know, over years. And one day it kind of came into my mind like the real revolution is really the real change that is gonna really make the big change that everyone wants to see, right? A more just world, more prosperity, more economic um equality, more mm-hmm. equality, all of these things that we wanna see won't happen unless the revolution is within each individual or as much individual as it takes to make that change. So that's the kind of theory and it it was just me getting away from the physical struggle and going more into the spiritual and personal struggles of my own life and taking things not not on a, a level of like What's happening in society, but what's happening inside of you? Yeah. What's happening inside of me? 
you know that is where the that is where the battle is that's where the struggle is that's where it begins yeah. you know that's where it's win won and lost is re- is not out there is in here you know i hear that and that's actually a reason why that song means so much to me is because i feel I have a lot of ideals and values and I also have the way I actually live and that's those two things are not always lined up like that and True. when it's not lined up I I feel that dissonance and um mm. you know like two notes a half tone away from each other playing at the same time and you're like oh no I just need to like move things one way or the other you know <laughs> Moving into slightly more frivolous territory, I kicked off my conversation with Ziggy by talking about the most important meal of the day. What did you have for breakfast this morning? What made for breakfast this morning? Um, some feta cheese with some little crackers. <laughs> cheese and crackers, it works. It works. <laughs> <laughs> every, day, every, day, every day different, but that was yesterday, yeah? Yeah. I feel like breakfast is where you really see people's sort of food identity come through because not everybody wants the same thing for breakfast. You know what I mean? Like I wake up and I can eat kimchi for breakfast. My my wife is French, and like she that's like that's not her thing. You know, she wants like I could like, eat kimchi for breakfast too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I could. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah. But that's not everybody. You know, some people feel like they need to ease into the day with like a really like gentle breakfast. Me, it's like go right at it. I'll go straight to the kimchi. Okay, pause. It's a little surreal that I'm chatting about crackers, cheese, and kimchi with Ziggy Marley, the son of THE Bob Marley. I've traveled a fair amount around the world, and I have an anecdotal theory that the prize for the single most beloved musician on the planet is a toss-up between Michael Jackson and Bob Marley. Whether in a Cameroonian village, a bustling nightclub in Cairo, Egypt, a rural town in Romania, in a taxi in Thailand, or on a beach in Colombia, when Bob Marley comes on, heads start bopping. You've probably heard Bob reference a place called Trenchtown in some of his songs. This is a neighborhood originally built around housing projects for the poor in Kingston, Jamaica. It's considered the birthplace of reggae. It's also the birthplace of Ziggy Marley. Yeah, I was born in Kingston, Jamaica, in Trenchtown, um, and we um, we moved a lot in, in my, when I was younger, you know. So, Trenchtown was the more um, impoverished part of Kingston, so yeah. that's where I was born. My father lived there, my mother. Two, three, four years after, we moved to a, a, a better situation, a place called Bull Bay, which was yeah. close closer to the ocean. Cause we used to eat a lot of seafood, so we were closer to the ocean. And I would go down to the ocean as a boy and help the fishermen bring in their boats and see the fishes and stuff like that. And um, yeah, that and then you know that that's my that's my foundation right there. How old were you uh, when you were living in Trenchtown? Trenchtown, um, probably up to four or five years. And yeah, so you probably don't have too many yeah. memories from no, that. But time. the thing is that it's the same it's the same core of people that move with us. So it was my, my father, my mother, and my grand aunt. And some other older ladies. Like, it's a, we move like a little community, you know? It's like... Yeah. <laughs> so the food, the food never really changed, you know what I mean? I mean... Yeah. The food never changed until until you get more money. That's when the food changed, when you get more money. Right, right, right. The, you know, the food start changing. But the food was good, man. That's the original food. The food was good. You know, we used to eat chicken and... we used to, I used to eat a lot of eggs. We used to have people bring eggs to the house. We used to have chickens too. Um, and we would, you know... 
if somebody's birthday, eventually we would kill a, kill something. Like there was no we we never we didn't yeah. go to the supermarket or and get we used to kill the animals and you know eat the animals, curry goat or whatever you know. So yeah, it's it's such a a rich we have coming up. You know, seeing all these things like the you know it's so beautiful. <laughs> That's right. It's more like the world is your supermarket, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just a different perspective, you know? Yeah. And who was doing most of the cooking in your household when you were younger? My grand-aunt. My grand-aunt. She was the... Because my parents would be away most of the time, right? They're touring musicians, you know? So she would cook. But um, the meals were very simple. And as I said, those days, like, is that nowhere? You open the fridge and you have, like, a choices galore. Oh, look, I can... What do, What am I going to eat? I don't know. This do I eat that <laughs> You know, am I having kimchi for breakfast or am I having crackers and cheese or, <laughs> well, you know, those days very simple, yeah. man. Um, sometimes it's just bread and butter, just like some, we call oh, yeah. it hardware bread in Jimmy. It's just some hardware bread and some butter, some tea, good morning and go, go to school. That's right. And then you'll get, right. you'll get some free lunch at the school, you know, um, some patties and some, some, some box milk. And then you come home and you might have a nice dinner. But Sundays was the dinner when you splurge. Uh Sundays you get the rice and the peas and you get the nice chicken. And Sunday was a splurging day. Oh, yeah. So tell me about Sundays then. Is this like, were there more people who came over to eat together? Yeah, man. And just a bigger pot and, you know, the smell, you know. Like, you know, when Sunday dinner is cooking, you can smell Sunday dinner. You know what I say? Yeah. You know, say Sunday. They get some nice things. <laughs> so paint a picture for me. What does Sunday dinner look like? I'm so, so curious. Sunday dinner, I mean, obviously through the different stages, it look different. So um, the ones I like draw to most is when them them cook outside on the wood stove. You know, they make mm. the wood fire and them cook. You know, the big Dutch Dutch pot and um, the rice and peas are cooked and... The chicken, you know, the chicken kill and skinning and, you know, all those little things that we are around and we're trying to help do all these little things. And, you know, it just smell good. It just smell good. You know, Sunday smell different than mm. Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. You know? Yeah. Sunday is a different <laughs> smell. You know, so. Yeah. It's just, yeah, yummy, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably like, the, I imagine having the wood fire going, that's got to bring yeah, a certain yeah, smell yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And it could. And, the food tastes different when it cooked on the, the wood and when from it cook on the stove. It tastes, I can't taste the difference. Like I know the difference. Oh, absolutely. You know, the different flavor. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and just like, what does the table look like when you're, when you sit down to eat? The table, so now, right. So Sunday for we, you know, is, is a self-serve mostly. So the, everything mm. going at a big, a big thing in, in the table, you know, like a big thing of rice and peas and the chicken there. And you can you help yourself. Only on Sundays you mm-hmm. can do that. Mondays through Saturdays, here is your food. Here is your food. You, this is what you get. Sundays, you might can take something, you know. Was it typically your great aunt who, who cooked this food then? Yeah, my, my great aunt was a, was, a, was a cook. And no, we used, she used to have another friend of hers, Miss Collins, another older lady. Them cook, man. Them cook. Cook and cook and cook. And um, I mean, yeah. I remember my great my great aunt. She used to eat some stuff that we weren't allowed to eat, you know. Um, like she she used to eat octopus and stuff like that, and we weren't allowed to eat those type of things because of our culture, you know. My parents, my parents' culture. Yeah. Ziggy's referring here to his family's dietary practices. 
Bob Barley, like many Rastafarians, adhered to certain dietary restrictions, and apparently, octopus was a no-fly zone. Um, so one day, I was very hungry. We used to stay with her car. We used to stay with her sometimes, and her place was a much more was not as um, modern as where we our houses was not as you know. So it's a whole different thing with her house. You got to catch the water. It's a whole it's like real country, like no run, no running water. No, this is yeah. So, <laughs> so one day I was so hungry, man. I was very hungry, and I was like, let me look in the fridge. I was like, boom, I want the fridge, and there was nothing in the fridge. It was an octopus. And there was some bread, some tomato. And I said, all right, I can't eat octopus, so I'm going to eat bread and tomato. And then when I got outside, I saw some sugar. So I put some sugar. <laughs> put some sugar. And I had a bread and tomato and sugar sandwich. And that was good. That was the, that was the only time I ever had that sandwich. The only time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that can that's be pretty crazy. good, honestly. That's, that's crazy, man. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I had a good, good upbringing. It was fun. It was fun, man. That's a, that's the experiences. Were there certain dishes that your great aunt made that you particularly loved? No, well, chicken was our deal, you know, chicken was a deal. Um, and then mm. since I was like the first boy, I, I would always get the leg. Me and my brother would get the leg, you know, because that was the most valuable mm. part of the chicken. So they always look out for us, you know, those old, old ladies. Yeah, make sure they yeah. can get the leg, you know. <laughs> 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 so no, the chicken was the deal. Um, yeah, that, cause, so them is a cooked down chicken, you know. Them fry it. Them see the seasoning what we use in Jamaica is what is where the aroma that that's that's the smell right there. That's the seasoning, skelly and onion, thyme, pimento, whatever you know. When that start cook up, you, mm, you smell that man. Yeah, mm. that that. That solve solve everything, you know. <laughs> well, I think uh, it's good to hear that. Your family had your priorities right. As you might know, in the U.S., chicken breasts are what are considered the most valuable cut, which I find yeah. to be very strange since the, the leg is definitely the best. <laughs> I asked Ziggy to tell me about what his family ate around the holidays, and <laughs> he brought things right back to Sunday. No, bro, Sundays. It's all about the Sundays, bro. <laughs> <laughs> It's all about the Sundays, man. I'm telling you that, yeah, right, yeah. Bro, yo. There is no other like what there's no other holidays. It's just Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing happening. There's no other special dinner, bro. It's Sunday dinner. It's like that's the special dinner. Yeah. No matter I don't care what holiday you have or who get married or whatever. Nothing beats Sunday dinner. Hmm. You know, I really can't tell. Do you think Ziggy likes Sunday dinner? <laughs> Let's turn to my other guest, Shaggy. Like Ziggy, Shaggy also grew up in a poor neighborhood in Kingston. I was born in a place called Raytown um, in, in Kingston. And uh, that, 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 that is right by the prison, um, downtown Kingston, their uh, general penitentiary. The place called, uh, our street called Charlotte Street. Um, and that's where, I, that's where I was born. Because um, kind of grew up, so, you know. And um, at a young age, I ended up living from a tenement yard, different tenement yard, because from a single parent family. So my mother was mother and father for me, you know. And then I moved from one yard, which is, you know, I used to live at the jungle at one point. I used to live, um, you know, uh, Vineyard Town at one time. I used to live Mountain View at one time. I used to live 
there's so many different spots that I used to live back in the days, you know. Um, that is poor people life. That's what poor people do, you know. You kind of move around and, you know, if the rent is somewhere else and you can't afford it, you go somewhere else that they can't afford it. <laughs> I mean, so that because of that, we keep moving, you know. And, um, yeah, this was just raised by my mother. The man, then my mom went to the United States and um, I ended up just kind of, you know, living with my grandmother for a while. And then, if you don't mind me asking, you know, what, what sort of food did you eat growing up? See, whatever could be provided. We, we, we didn't, we weren't as, as privileged as, you know, like, yeah. oh, we can't afford certain things. We couldn't afford certain things back then, you know. So, yeah, you know, you a lot of tin food. Mm-hmm. And you have like um, bully beef and rice, which is corned beef with white rice. You know, tin mackerel with 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 white rice. Yeah. Um, a lot of rice because the rice fully up. Yeah. <laughs> and they have a thing called I think called chicken chicken back, which is the cheaper parts of the of the chicken. Does the fact that you grew up, you know, poor, did that, how, does that shape the way you sort of view food or the way you sort of look at things today? No, it it made me appreciate good food because you know, with this. I never got it. So I don't, I spare no expense on food. If people are at my house, they're eating the best. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah, yeah. I, I go to the butcher to, look, to buy steaks. I go for the best cuts. And if I'm doing lamb chops, I'm, I'm getting the best cuts. You know, I'm, I'm frequent at Whole Foods. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I want the best. I never had those. I never, you know, we just eat what we can. No, I asked Shaggy what he'd had for breakfast that day. Well, I had a thing called Akian sausage, a national dish. You want to know what I had for breakfast? What's that? Um, I so it's actually a pretty standard breakfast for me, given the neighborhood I'm in. But I got myself a patty. Um, it so happens there's a golden crust between where I drop my kid off ah. to school and come back. Swing by the golden crust, get myself a spicy beef patty, and then I bring it home though, and I make what I call a PEC, okay, a patty egg and cheese. Oh wow! And so. This is, might be this might be sacrilege, but um, I'll make an I'll make an egg. You know what I'm saying? I do like essentially an egg and cheese sandwich, but using the patty. Wow! As the wow. vessel. Wow! So so is the egg is the egg fried uh, with the yolk still intact, or is it a hard fry? Runny yolk. Or runny yolk. Yeah, runny yolk. Oh, runny yolk. Ah, yeah. okay. So runny yolk, um, egg, and and what cheese? Cheese, yeah. And then I had some hot sauce. Um, but yeah, that's okay. it. And I call that my, my PEC. So at least you didn't do it in my honor. You just did it on GP, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just what I do. <laughs> yeah, general I mean, practice for you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, I, I definitely, I'm an advocate for the patty as a uh, breakfast sandwich uh, platform. <laughs> so, it's, a great, it's a great substitute for it, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's delicious. I mean, come on. Um, are you a, are you a fan of patties yourself? I'm a big patty fan. Um, I'm more more of a traditional. I mean, Golden Cross is cool too. Don't get me wrong for the American standard of patties. Right, right. You know, if you go into Jamaica, not not nothing beats a tasty patty out of Jamaica for me. Mm. You know, I mean, there's juicy beef and there's mothers. Mothers used to make a really really good one, and 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 it has to be just out the oven. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too keen on it sitting on for a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So wait, you said a, a tasty patty. Is that a kind of patty in Jamaica? It's a brand. 
yeah, brand yeah. of party. Those 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 were more the originators of it. Yes. They, they were the one that that um TSTs was like the first that was on the scene and making parties. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there was, you know, a little mom and pops one, but as far as a big chain store that made parties in Jamaica, Tasty was that yeah. first that really did all of that. And, and the most popular. Uh so what what makes for a great patty then? I think the beef is one, you know. Um some people like to substitute mm-hmm. it and put like some people people put breadcrumbs with the beef, you know, to get a little bit more body yeah, yeah. and thing and some people just Kind of just, you know, from your cooking is the, getting the beef and the, and the spices, of course, you know, the pepper. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because the thing with me, you know, at this age, every time I have a, I have a patty, it gives me a heartburn. <laughs> and that's the first sign to sit that shows you that this is not really healthy for you. You know what I'm saying? Right, but right. you kind of do it and then have the pepto right beside ready. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because because at this at this at this rate you know, at this stage it's it's cultural yeah it's like yeah I know it ain't good for me but you know I I'm not Jamaican unless I do this <laughs> there you go <laughs> so I I know you regulate you regulate what you have when you have it you know you have a, a beef party but I like yeah. okay maybe I don't have one a day one a day or three a day you know what I mean it can probably yeah, yeah, yeah. you know twice a month or something like that and for me you know what I mean yeah. yeah. A Jamaican without a, a patty is like a bird without its song. I know. I think. I think based on my patty consumption, I'm getting less and less um, Jamaican these days. Okay. <laughs> um, and then what about what about the crust? I mean, I feel like in my sort of amateur level of experience with patties, I feel like the more a patty falls apart in my hand, the better it is. But I don't know if that's how you feel about it. Some people like that. I don't. I, I prefer yeah. I prefer you know the crust you know what I mean uh, because the crust is the crust but there's ways to do it to where it's not so flaky you know what I mean yeah yeah I don't like going in your car and then you know there's patty crust all over the seats and all that I mean you know, <laughs> I'm not that guy man you know what I mean just, you know, just, yeah, you know, yeah. there's ways there's ways to do it to where the, the crust stay stay together but um the crust is a big big part of it and it's also probably the most unhealthy part <laughs> but it's also really tasty <laughs> what do you think of as being other iconic dishes in jamaican cuisine the oxtail is a mm. oxtail butter beans um the thing about the oxtail is is it's, it's such a tender part of the meat because it's the tail of the cow you know and which yeah. makes it expensive also because the tail is a really small part of the cow, you know, it's a big cow. <laughs> so, and every, but the meat yeah, around yeah, yeah. it is so very, it's so tender. And, um, yeah. And when cooked down properly and, and seasoned right. And, you know, if you don't use a pressure cooker, especially, you know, it's really, it's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people I know who don't just make it cook down naturally and don't use a pressure cooker and still come out tender. Curry gold is always another big one. And you always have your curry gold and a white rice. You know, instead of rice and beef, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's mostly some people like rice and beef, but if, if you are true Jamaican with a curry goat, a curry goat, white rice. <laughs> I had no idea. So if I went to yeah. Jamaica and ordered curry goat and got rice and peas with it, people would give me the stink eye. I mean, no, they'll, they'll give it to you, you because know, some people do do it. But if you're looking at the traditional way of oh, Jamaica yeah, con- yeah, yeah. consume 
curry goat is with is with white rice with a country pepper on the side, a country scotch bonnet on the side. Yeah, and, and you can oh. and you can cut a piece of avocado or pear as we call it and put it on the side and yeah, <laughs> it's perfect. Wait, you take a whole scotch bonnet on the side? Yeah, just put it on the side and then you just cut it. Once you cut it, no, you cut it on the side, you can bust it open with your fork and as you eat the curry goat, uh-huh. you use it and just dab it. Just dab, ah, dab as you eat, you dab it, yeah. And you're meant to eat the entire scotch bonnet during no, the course of no, the dish. No, you, you no, you don't have to. If you love pepper like that, you can. Yeah. You can dab it because the scotch bonnet is pretty flavorful but also hot. Oh, yeah. So, But, when you, yeah. but if you cut it open and have the little stem and just dab it while you're eating, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? You get a nice flavor with it. See what I mean? Yeah. I have to say, I think one of the things I truly love about Jamaican cuisine is that scotch bonnet is in so many places. And I just love the flavor of scotch bonnets. Um, it's just that they're like so punishingly hot that like, you know, and I'm, you know, I like spicy food, but even this, even for me, like scotch bonnet, kick my ass. You know, for me, I don't find scotch bonnet to be a very hot pepper. <laughs> okay. I find it to be, a, I find it to be a very flavorful pepper. Yeah. It has a flavor more so than a, than a heat. There's a heat to it. Yeah. But not that, not that turn you off heat. Like, oh my God, I just, I'm just tasting pepper. Yeah. You know, it's it's more it's more of a flavor. I get my scotch bonnet from these uh, old couple, not very far from here. That uh, a friend of mine, Yusef, who always go over there and get it for me and carry it up. You wow. know what I mean? And and it's they're fresh. I got a fresh bag yesterday. Oh you know, wow! Just them just picking them little harvest and just eat them. You know? Yeah. And you're just eating them like potato chips, the scotch bonnets. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, I don't eat them just like that. No, 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 no. no. But they're not. To me, they're not, they're not cringingly hot. Do not listen to Shaggy. The scotch bonnet is related to the habanero, and it is one hell of a spicy pepper. Consider that the jalapeno has a spiciness rating of between 2,500 to 8,000 Scoville units. The scotch bonnet goes all the way up to 350,000 Scoville units. It's no joke. I think it's worth pausing here and remarking on the sheer diversity of Jamaican cuisine, especially given the fact that it's a country of only 3 million people, about the same size as the state of Connecticut. Jamaica, like many other Caribbean countries, contains layers upon layers of cultures, almost like geological rock layers. This shows up in the food. Indigenous cultures set the foundation with ingredients used in Jamaican cuisine, such as the scotch bonnet and pimento spice, otherwise known as allspice. Colonizers from Spain and Britain brought dishes like the vinegary fish escovitch. Enslaved Africans brought stewed greens, jerk, and the all-important ackee fruit. Chinese and Indian laborers and indentured servants brought rotis, curry goat, and chow mein. The next time you're at a Jamaican restaurant, look at the menu as a living historical record of Jamaica's multicultural history. We're going to play another track here, and it's a live one from Ziggy. If you've only ever listened to studio-recorded reggae albums, you're missing out. The fire, vibrancy, and soul of reggae come shining through in live performances in ways that are simply lost in the studio. If you need to start somewhere, try listening to Bob Marley's Live at the Roxy album. It's one of my favorite all-time reggae records. I suspect you're going to recognize this tune. Here's Ziggy Marley performing live one of his father's classics. Is this love, is this love, is this love, love that I'm feeling? Is this love, is this love, is this love, is this love that I'm feeling?
up next, how Shaggy does Christmas in Jamaica and the food that put the roots in Roots Rock Reggae after this. We haven't talked yet about what many consider to be Jamaica's national dish, ackee and saltfish. And in case you're not familiar with it, here's how Shaggy describes it. Well, well, ackee is a fruit. Most people, when it is cooked and they see it on the table, they think it's egg yeah. because it has that, that has the look of that, but it's yeah. not. It's actually a fruit. Um, it's our national uh, dish. And the codfish you now comes from Newfoundland up in Canada. And it's an and it's dried cure yeah. um codfish. And once you boil, you take the codfish though and you boil it because it's so it's so salty because it's so it's cured. And and you you literally mm. boil it. Sometimes it takes depending on how salt it is, it might take two two boilings, you know. And um mm. I like to boil it till it's fresh and then I add my salt to it more so than still keep it so sour. Mm. And then you break it up, right? You also boil the ackee. You got to take the, the, the seed out and there's a little there's a little red thing inside of it that is uh, that is poisonous also. You have to take that out and clean. So you, so you clean your ackee. And once you have it all clean and everything, then you put it in the boiling water. So this is a, this is a breakfast that is pretty universal yeah, even yeah, across yeah, Jamaica. Yeah, it's a big deal for us, you know? Most most Jamaicans do, you know. I'm sure you have a few Jamaicans that don't, but most Jamaicans I know can consume a lot of ackee and saltfish. I'd rate ackee and saltfish up there as one of those magical combinations that just seems to work, like seaweed and rice, baguettes and butter, cookies and milk, tomatoes and olive oil. The ackee provides creaminess. The saltfish gives you well saltiness and fishiness, obviously, and it's packed with umami. But I wanted to zoom in on one thing Shaggy said. Aki can be poisonous if you don't know what you're doing, as Ziggy further explained. And the aki is a very, it's a fruit, you know, it's a fruit. And it's poisonous unless it opens by itself, so you can't force it. You can't like, it's not like you can't, you know, you can't pick an apple green and make it ripe. You can't do that with aki. It's got to open up on, on the tree, otherwise it, it, it's poisonous. And so, you, yeah, you have to wait till it's seasonal, you know, and... I don't know where else I see that. I haven't seen anything like that anywhere else. I haven't seen anything like that anywhere else. So it's a very, it's unique. For me, it's a very unique experience to Jamaica um, in terms of getting it from the tree. You know, here you can buy it in a tin, but yeah, but um, it's a Jamaican thing. I'm, that connects me straight to Jamaica. And so you would collect your own aki from the yeah, tree? Man. Yeah, man. Aki tree. Is it a really high tree? Is it hard to get to? No. I mean, you have different no, no, sides, but it's right easy. Yeah, Take yeah. it to that stick to our something. It's easy. No. You yeah. can't climb it. And is there any other way that you eat ackee other than with saltfish? That's the only way I've, I've ever eaten ackee. No, man, you have the ital one, man. No saltfish. Yeah. But well, right, right. well seasoned. Right. The ital, right, because right, remember right. now, you know, we have ital in Jamaica where they don't eat any fish or meat. Or they're vegetarians, basically. But yeah. they still utilize you know, the, the Jamaican style, but just without the, 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 um, the animal product in it. The Aital diet is quite central to Jamaican culture. It's generally associated with Rastafarianism and in its strictest form, it eschews any animal products, artificial additives and added salt, though it's not uncommon for some adherents of the Aital diet to apply things more loosely. That was a part of our upbringing too. Um, 
eventually, um, yeah, stop eating meat and just eating fish. And, um, yeah, trying for, trying for, just eat more healthy, I guess, in, in modern terms. Yeah. Yeah. So that's right. So you actually, you adhere to an ITAL diet or ITAL uh, way of eating when you were younger then? Yeah, I mean, we still do it. I mean, but I feel like we're more, it's not like something that you can not say, all right, you know, today I'm not doing it this way, I'm doing it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a long-term thing. It's not like no. a, a quick thing. So it's like, if I can do it for most of my life, it's good, but I don't have to do it for all of my life. I can't still, I can't cheat, right, you know, right, I right. can't cheat here and there. <laughs> and You know what I'm saying? So right. it's just, a, it's just a balance. It's just balancing everything so that you don't harm, you don't harm yeah. yourself, but you still enjoy yourself. You know, you can't live right. and not enjoy life, right? So it's balancing, you know? Yeah, I'd actually love for you to speak a little more to ITAL and what it means to you. So like, what are the main principles for you? Well, um, the main principle really, so... All right, so it's we eat the food as close to as nature intending it to be. Mm. So whether it be raw, whether it be raw or not as cooked or not as a lot of salt. I mean, to me, like the best example of where something like that shines is is fruit. I mean, I am obsessed with fruits. And the way I think about fruit is that fruit has evolved over really millions of years to be as delicious as possible because it needs to draw animals to spread the seeds. Okay. And so okay. I think of, okay. in the case of fruit, Mother Nature is the, is the chef and has perfected this recipe for the fruit over millions of years, which yeah. is why fruits are one of the things on the planet, really the only things on the planet that you can just take off the tree, eat it, and you, <laughs> that is actually the best way to enjoy that fruit, right? It's perfect how it is, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. To me, fruit fruit is like for like taste buds, like what flowers are for eyes, right? It's just yeah. you know pure. It's just perfection. It's funny that when I was when I was a young boy in Jamaica, I used to I used to come by. I used to eat orange and a banana at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I used to like that flavor. I used to eat at the same time. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you just invented the smoothie ahead of its time. <laughs> Were there any other fruits that are particularly good in Jamaica? No, all of the fruits seem good in Jamaica. I don't like all of them, but all of them good. Um, you have one yeah. name. You have one name, Neesberry, that I didn't like. It's called Neesberry. Hmm. Yeah, it's a weird. It's a weird. It's a weird. It's a weird looking fruit with some, and then the inside kind is white and it kind of squishy mushy. But I never like it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to sell me a fruit and you described it as squishy mushy, I would not be very attracted to it. So, <laughs> but then you have the one called sawasap. We love the sawasap. Oh, sawasap, nice. You know? One of you that might be one of my like top. That's like a top five fruit for me. The sawasap. Oh, creamy, sour-sop in- just tart, sweet, delicious. Man. Oh, sawasap. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah. Well, actually, that brings me to drinks in Jamaican culture. So I actually associate Jamaican menus with lots of different kinds of drinks. You always see all kinds of options there. Yeah, well, we have some fabulous drinks, but our drinks is not like from a bar. It's not a bar drink, right? So it's a drink that, 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 the, that the people can right. cut. And you, we used to have some juice, man. That's right. Um, but traditionally, we do sorrel. 
Sorrel is that Christmas time today. They do a Sorrel. What do you call it in a um in a in a Spanish? They have a name for it in a Spanish too. Uh, Agua de Jamaica. Right? Yeah. Florida Jamaica. Yeah. 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 So we do that. We, we do that. That that's a traditional thing that I've always seen them do. The Jamaican culture is very conscious of virility mm. and you know strength and stamina and manhood and so we have all these type of drinks that is based around keeping our manhood. You yeah. know, it's like Irish moss with um some guineas and thing and it mixed up and some milk and yeah, that would make you keep you strong, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> You know, so it's, it's that type of drinks you'll find. The ju- roots, we boil our own roots, and you know you have the roots, man, and him sell it his roots, and yeah, the very the roots, you know, make you stand up strong, yes, son. <laughs> Ziggy was being tactful about this for the interview, but he was referencing the fact that a lot of Jamaican drinks are marketed as sexual performance boosters. One such drink has an unusual ingredient. Yeah, I used to think I was. I think the first time I had sea moss, I remember thinking, "Well, it's so interesting." Or Irish moss. That was just so interesting to think of there being moss in a drink. It's not normally something you associate with a drink. No, but the funny thing is, we used to have it in Jamaica, right? And it, I mean, at one point, it was really expensive, more expensive than herb. You know what I'm saying? So it was yeah. per per pound, like. And then after a while, I started seeing it in bags in America. I'm like. <laughs> They've got Irish machine bags now. So a lot of the a lot of the native um things that we are native cultures around the world that use these natural things. Um the West get hips to it a kind of afterwards. We were just doing it. We don't we didn't even know the science of it or anything. It's just something that we ate or something that we drank. We didn't know what it meant. It's just a part of our culture. Yeah. And then later you find, you know, once it reached to the to the civil, what well, the the first world or whatever, and they figure out, oh, it can do this, and you see all this writing on it. It's, it's kind of funny to me to see that, you know, like, oh, look, Irish mash is in a bag now, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Made it into Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and well, it's bad when it actually makes the food expensive or rare in the country from which it came. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like that might have been the case. I couldn't help but ask Ziggy about what his dad liked eating. In his response, he uses the term ground foods, which means foods that come out of the ground. No, I mean the same yam, the same ground food, because he's from the he's from the country where that's where that's what they use that's what they grow there. Yeah. So they maybe that's where I get I get that that love for that food from. Maybe it's from him. But the the ground food, you know, the yam, the roast yam, and um some of those a lot of those drinks I was just talking about. They used to make all of those type of drinks with peanuts, oatmeal. Mm. Yeah, and they would try to give it to me, and I was like, no. And I was like, drink, drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, the fact that you're telling me this gives me a whole new perspective on the term roots rock reggae. Yeah. Because I'm thinking about the roots <laughs> and the ground food in particular. <laughs> ah, I like that. I like that. Turning to the topic of music, arguably the most popular style of music in Jamaica right now is dancehall. It's a little hard to define, and you'll find an immense amount of variation from one song to another. Shaggy, who is one of the main musicians to have brought dancehall music into American pop culture, had an interesting perspective on defining dancehall. Some people look at dancehall as a song. I don't really, I don't really, I don't really look at it as a song mm-hmm. because it keeps changing. I look at it as a culture. Yeah, you know, 
because that still right. resonates. You know what I mean? When you say Beyonce or Rihanna or Drake or Jay-Z or these people come in, they don't, they don't necessarily try to, to take the music so much as them trying to take the culture. Yeah, you know I mean, they, 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 the music has evolved over the years into, into what is a hybrid. It comes from culture. Mm-hmm. It comes from culture. It's the, the style and the feel and the, 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 the cadences. And it comes from the culture. One of the distinctive features of many dancehall songs is a chant-like rapping style called toasting. Even if you don't know the term toasting, you know what it is. It's how Shaggy raps in all of his songs, which include Boombastic, Angel, and yes, it wasn't me. Side note, there are a number of musicologists out there who believe that Jamaican toasting laid the foundation for rapping in American hip-hop. If that's the case, big hat tip to Jamaica for helping create what I consider to be one of the world's greatest musical genres. In any case, I asked Shaggy how he got into toasting. I became a fan of it, you know, so... And I never really go into dancehall because I wanted to be this big, massive superstar or whatever. I even changed the face of dancehall. I was just a fan of it. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. I, I just had a knack for for, for coming up with, with rhymes, and I did it for because it got me attention with the girls. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I talk I talk about their 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 eyes and their lips and their bags and their shoes, and then I'd get the number, and I was like, okay, yep. this is easy. This is easy, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then, then you start make record and you start get more girls. And I'm like, okay, all right. So everything was based on women for me back in the early days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I understand that, you know, when you know, when we when you hear you uh toasting in a lot of your songs, uh sometimes you're doing it in English, other times you're doing it in patois. In raw patois. Uh, I kinda I kinda mix the two. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm I'm one of the few that the few that kinda mix the two. So you might have a part of thing, but then I'll have, I'll do I'll do the dance on melody with the Queen's English mixed up yeah, with yeah. some patwa with some patwa. And that right, makes right, right. it gives a better chance of crossing over. So there's a there's a there's a formula. Yes. Where I'm concerned. Yeah. I feel like when I listen to your songs, I can kind of feel that you are uh you'll you'll go into the patois, then come back just enough. Yeah. So that you're like you're we're back with you. So that you yeah. understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean it is a strategy that I've always used, and it is, you know, for some, some, someone has worked brilliantly for me. But it also leads to a lot of criticism from purists. You know, right, right, they right. feel like, oh yeah, Shaggy is not authentic, and I'm not this, and you know, and I, you know, I've been criticized by crit by critics and purists, so-called purists who have never been to Jamaica, <laughs> <laughs> and we're. Uh, or I've never, or were never born in Jamaica. I was born in Jamaica. I have a Jamaican passport. I was, I lived in the, the ghettos of Kingston, raised in the ghetto of Kingston, Rara. In Patois, like, what would you say if you found something to be like really dope? Oh, that wicked, you know. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> so that wicked, you know. You know, you know. And I mean, ah, uh-huh, right, right, right. So, so you say, you say that if it's dope, you say it wicked, bad, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Or, or if you say it, it, it's broken English, you know, if you say car, we say car. Yeah, you, yeah. You say what happened, we say what happened, what happened, oh, yeah. what happened, yeah, yeah. what happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's you breaking it up. Yeah. Know, and, and if you're being around it, something up enough, you'll be like, you catch it. You probably won't right. be able to speak it, you know, as, as fluently as I do, but you'll certainly understand it. Shaggy's latest album is called Christmas in the Islands. The whole album is all about celebrating the holidays, Jamaican style. 
I wanted to do a Jamaican Christmas because my Christmas that I know is not the same as yours. Or, you know, you don't, we don't dream of a white Christmas. <laughs> we, 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 we don't have a white Christmas. My Christmas is, is sorrel, you know. Uh, sorrel is a, is, a, is a plant that they, that they normally scald or, or dry it, they would say, and create a drink out of it and you add alcohol to it and it's a, it's a, it's a punch. Like a yeah. rum punch, it would be like a sorrel punch. And, uh, yeah. you know, that is a Christmas thing. You throw like a pimento seeds in it for the flavor and you create sorrel. And that every Christmas, because that sorrel plant only grows during the Christmas. It only bears or blooms during the Christmas time, Christmas time uh-huh. in December. So we always have carl and you have eggnog and then it's family food and you might have a drunk uncle. You know, and you know, and that's done. That's normally in the settings of your backyard or you're on the beach. Well, hold on, Shaggy. The the drunk uncle is cross cultural. <laughs> well, it's cross cultural. Well, yeah. You know? but, but there's drunk uncle and there's drunk Jamaican uncle. It's two different things. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. You know I mean, so that that you know that come on and and them sit down and them have the white robe beside them and and um, and it's food. It, Christmas is really centered around food. You know, all of your Jamaican dish you might have. We have a brunch at my home where we do all these different Jamaican breakfasts, you know, from rundown mm-hmm. to redering to ackee and sawfish to corn pork and ackee to, um, you know, callaloo, you know what I mean, to bok chow, to every, every, all these different types of Jamaican breakfast, you know what I mean? And then later on, and then we open presents and then we have a massive dinner. One track on Christmas in the Islands that caught my ear was a song called Ragamuffin Christmas. I asked Shaggy to talk about the inspiration behind that track. There's two different Christmases. You, know, you have the tourist Christmas where you come and you're on the beach and you're probably in a nice cabin or you're with a nice, in a nice home. And, uh, but then I also come from two structures. So I've had success in my life and where you know, I have a lovely home and all the amenities. For Christmas, mm. you know, um, there's 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 a tree, a live tree in my house every every year, with presents properly gift wrapped, and with a proper present opening. There's eggnog and there's brunch, and you know, my wife makes that there. But in me growing up, didn't have that. Right. Yeah, yeah. So my growing up was much like what I expressed on that particular song with Bounty Killer, mm-hmm. Ragamuff, Ragamuff in Christmas. You know what I'm saying? Christmas in the garrison, mm. you know what I mean? Where where you, you, you're talking about grand market, you know what I mean? You're talking about, you, you, you get a present, but it's not necessarily something that is gift wrapped. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? And, and you know, I'm going to give you money, so I'm going to buy an ice cream or something like that. Or, you know what I mean? It's that's a different, and, it's, and it comes out in a party, like a dance, with, with a sound system, I'm going to buy you some liquor and, that's our Christmas celebration in the, in the hood. Two speaker box outside and yeah, some liquor, liquor is there and people drinking and eating. And yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? That is, that is the ghetto style, you know, garrison style of Christmas. So ragamuffin means essentially sort of... Roughneck. Rough, roughneck. Yeah. Gar, garrison, garrison style. Rough Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hardcore, yeah. hardcore Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm dreaming of a hardcore Christmas. Yeah, kind of that. Kind of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You remin- You don't dream of it, you know. You reminisce on it. 
And this brings me to the classic counterjam question. If you were stranded on a deserted island, to be clear, not Jamaica, and you could only eat one Jamaican dish for the rest of your life, what would it be? Here's Shaggy's response. One Jamaican dish. That's right. For the rest of my life. That's right. Well, based on my years of how I'm going to live, I would want to eat something because some Jamaican dish you can eat while you're young and it becomes harder to eat when you're older <laughs> because it's it, you know, harder to digest. So if it's one yeah. thing I could eat all the way till I'm old, I would have to say Aki and Sartish. <laughs> yeah, but because it's all the ground provisions that's a, a bit healthy. There are many ways of, of doing it. You know, you can steam it, seeing, and once you boil it, and you just barely, there's ways, different ways and substitutes you can do to make it such an amazing dish always. While the other ones, there's only certain ways you can do it. Ziggy was on the same wavelength. One Jamaican dish, a can of saltfish. What else? What else would I say? There's nothing else to say about that. There's no other. There's no a can of saltfish. If I, can, if I can't get a piece of yam with it, even better. You get a yam. Yeah. You get a yam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to answer that, man. You know the answer. Must. What else, though? No, nothing else. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's a, that, that dish is a great, man. Never, never. I'm never tired of that. We're going to listen to one more track from Ziggy Marley. This track was inspired by much of the social upheaval in 2020 triggered by the murder of George Floyd. And then I remember some old songs from my father. Um, he sang, How Many Rivers Do We Have to Cross? And Jimmy Cliff had a song called um, Many Rivers to Cross. Mm. And, you know, it's just like, I think a good concept would be to say, like, we're done, no more crossing rivers, we're tired of crossing rivers. As a metaphor of, we need the changes that we need. No, we're not, we can't continue crossing rivers to get to a just place, to get to an equal place. Why can't we just set things the right way, you know? Yeah. Systematically, within the, within the system itself. Here's Lift Our Spirits, Raise Our Voice by Ziggy Marley. Season 3 of Counter Jam, and I'm going on paternity leave, so we'll be back with more in a few months. In the meanwhile, if you like the show, follow and leave a friendly review on Apple Podcasts. Shout out to our guests, Ziggy Marley and Shaggy. Shout out to Ziggy Marley and Bob Marley, wherever you are, for the music and good vibes. Shout out to Food52, Harry Sultan, and Counter Jam's producer, Coral Lee, who brings more fire than a Scotch Bonnet pepper. I'm Peter J. Kim, and I'll catch you on the next episode of Counter Jam.